Hello and welcome back to our midweek podcast in our series, In the Time of Waiting. And I, this is Warren and I'm joined again this morning by Marcia Moorhead. Good morning, Marcia. Good morning. And by Jason Martin. Good morning, Jason. Hello. Great to be back and, and uh, talking about this time of waiting. It is. Good to be back together. I've enjoyed our conversations and hope that, that others have as well. And so we're going to continue uh, this series today. And I did want to mention as we begin, it seems like a lot has happened in our world, in our, in our country since we last talked. And in some ways, everything feels different. And in some ways, everything feels the same. I don't oh, know if man. that makes sense yeah. to anyone else. Yeah. But I won't, I won't say a whole lot about any of that here because I, I shared some of my thoughts in our worship yesterday, but I I do think there's a connection between some of the the current events and what we talked about last week. And I've sort of been the juxtaposition of what we talked about last week with the power of breath uh, juxtaposed against this statement that we've heard kind of resonating in the nation of our soul this past week of I can't breathe um, has kind of hit me in reading others' thoughts and, and thinking about some of that the last couple of days and just the the power of breath, um, I think even took on new context and meaning, thinking about that in the context of, of our current situation and the imagery and, and the videos that, that we've seen as the result of, of what happened in, in Minneapolis with, with George Floyd. So uh, I felt that was um, just a powerful juxtaposition that, that kind of connected to what we talked about some last week. Yes, I agree. And and I have been surprised at my own strong reaction to all that's going on in that I have been kind of, since the sermon yesterday, uh, I have been rather on the weepy side, mm. which isn't um, typical of how I feel, but there are just times when uh, I've really had to limit my uh, <laughs> news feed because it's just um, it's just uh, so unsettling, and I think I feel so disappointed uh, in in so many ways. And um, so anyway, I guess it in a sense it is an underscoring of the importance and the effect that the power of breath has. And um, so I agree with you, uh, Warren. I've thought about it a lot. I, like I said, I, I know that's kind of the backdrop for everything that, that a lot of us are, are thinking about and, and dealing with, but we're going we're gonna to talk about some, some other stuff this morning, as we continue to, uh, to pray for peace and for justice and and. Uh, and hope that we can be a part of of bringing those things into the into the world, into our lives, and and into our our society. Uh, and so there's uh, as always there's a handout to accompany this week's conversation, and you can find that available on our website. And so how I I kind of want to start this morning, Marcia is is I want to run through some of this because um, I want to. Basically, I, I want to make sure that I'm tracking with you and, and make sure we're heading in the right direction on some of this, okay? <laughs> yes, well, I've staggered around a little getting there, so that's probably 
a good thing to do for me and for you and for anybody else that's paying attention. Well, I, I think I follow where you're going, and, and I think it's going to lead us to some good conversation, but I want to make sure that we're, that we're headed in the right direction. Good. Thank uh, you. So, so I think what, what I sort of hear you getting at in the handout is, is this idea that there is, and so this is kind of my interpretation of it, and, and you can tell me if I'm, if I'm right or if I'm, I'm way off base, that there's sort of this predictability to our world that, that we come to expect and even assume certain outcomes of things. And that whether it's gravity or the rising of the sun, or as you said, you know, if, if I touch a hot stove, you know, I'm going to get burned. There, there's a pattern and there are rules. And so I understand that if, if this happens or if I do this, then this is going to be the result or the consequence. Um, and we, you know, we can even predict, you know, with, with remarkable accuracy, things like weather mm-hmm. and, and as much as meteorologists are, are kind of, you know, derived, it's, 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 it's fascinating to me how accurately we can predict just the world around us and, and what's going to happen. And, and what I think I hear you saying in the handout is that, is that we come to expect the same thing then in our lives, that if I make good decisions, that if I am a moral and upstanding person, then good things will happen to me. And, and because of that, we, we like to kind of pick and choose who is deserving of, of gain and prosperity and health and who is deserving of, of loss and disappointment and sickness based on kind of this expectation that we have of, of predictable results. Am, am I tracking with you so far? And does that make sense? Is that what you're kind of getting at in part of the handout? Well, sort of. Um, I think what I was getting at with the with the references to the Ten Commandments is that those are laws too, in the sense that we're not going to be punished if we break one of those, but that in a sense we break ourselves on the law. In other words, um, if I'm going around shoplifting, <laughs> you know, and stealing, then probably that's not going to go well for me mm-hmm. uh, at some point. And it isn't because God is picking on me that things don't go well. It's because I have basically touched the hot stove. Mm-hmm. So... I, I, I think we um, we suddenly we expect the natural world to function according to law. I think there's also uh, the laws that God has set up for getting along with other people and for having a pathway to connect ourselves to the divine. And so that's that's what I'm getting at. I think the Ten Commandments is largely impersonal and we take it personally and i but i think jesus comes and says look there's more than this there is the personal let's let's start there for a second then because what when you say the ten commandments are impersonal what 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 do you what do you mean by that i mean that God has laid out these rules and saying, if you want things to go well in your life, here's what you do and here's what you don't do. Mm -hmm. And we go against those and 
typically there's a bad outcome and we say, oh, God is punishing us mm-hmm. because we didn't do the right thing. But basically we punished ourselves with our choice. And so Jesus comes along and, and tries to, to flip that then. And he says, look, there's a whole nother level. So one of the things that's always, or not always, but in, in recent years has been interesting to me about the Ten Commandments is that, you know, I think we all, we all probably have questions that we'd like to ask God, ranging from very high-stake ones to sort of random ones. <laughs> and I would, I would like to know why God communicated so many of the Ten Commandments in the negative form. Uh, why are so many of them communicated as do-nots and thou-shalt-nots? Um, like why not, instead of saying, why not murder? Why not, why not say, here's what I want you to do? Why the do not? Well, what, what would you say would be the opposite of murder? Well, I think that's part of what Jesus comes along to say is that, you know, you've heard it say, do not murder, but Mm -hmm. I tell you, you know, it's more about your heart. Right. Um, and, and so I think the, the way that I've kind of seen the 10 commandments then is that it's like God's bringing these, these people who who have been in slavery and who have who have probably lost most of of what it means to be truly human. And and so to me, I see the 10 commandments as like this beginning of teaching a group of people how to be human again and where to start. It's like, all right, don't murder each other. <laughs> um and and it's this kind of it's this list that that becomes very much based on as you've kind of alluded to as as that plays out then though over generation after generation and generation it becomes very legalistic and and kind of defined by um by rule-based type of living but i see it as sort of this starting point of of teaching a group of people how to be human again and I think when Jesus then comes back to that generations later, I think that's some of what he's trying to recapture and saying, if, if you've only seen this as being about not murdering people, you've missed the heart of what God is getting at. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think that's like, I, uh, I hear you saying that in this, but, I, but I, uh, to me, it's, a, it's not about kind of, you know, God was doing this in the Old Testament and now he's doing something different in Jesus it's that God has trying to be God has trying been trying to pull people in this direction all the time and people mm-hmm. keep resisting that because of this tendency to to want to have law and 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 kind of that effect to fall back on and our kind of tendency to to legalism right and i and i think that's that's where Jesus coming and the 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 indwelling of the Holy Spirit becomes really, really important because I call it our rocket boost for power, that that we now have extra resources to draw on yeah. so that there it's not just just a matter of of rule keeping or or law keeping. There's this whole other world that opens not as so much to the outside, but I think mm-hmm. on the inside, in the inner life. Well, and, and, and yeah, come on, Jason. <laughs> well, I as we're as you're talking about that, that's that's exactly what comes to my mind. I, you know, you read through the Ten Commandments, and it does read very legalistically, and 
you know, to your question, Warren, about why is it all, uh, you know, why is most of it anyway, shall not, do not. Uh, I think it's because uh, the Ten Commandments, God is, is trying to establish order for his people and for the nation that, uh, that, that he has. And so it is very legalistic. And you look at laws, and most of them are, you know, the, the laws that we have on the books even now, most of them are prohibitive to say you cannot do this or you cannot do that. Uh, very few are you must do this or that. And so the Ten Commandments uh, are aimed at a nation of people as a whole, um, whereas Jesus comes and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's very, you know, to what Marcia was saying mm-hmm. earlier, That was that's very personal. That's getting at the heart literally getting at the heart of who people of who an individual is um and so that's the that's the difference and i i see that as the 10 commandments were aimed at a nation of people whereas the what jesus is saying is aimed at the individual of the person and that's the difference that i see yeah i i see that largely the same way and i think the seeds were that definitely there in the Ten Commandments. This, um, it's the opening. Right. It's the seed that's planted. Right. Here, here's here's the law. You know, the sun comes up in the morning. Fire is hot. Water's wet. You know, if you fool around with your neighbor's spouse, likely there's going to be trouble. Yeah. You're going to get burned. You know, and so I think he's he's trying, God is trying to aim them, and he's saying he begins with, you know, love me and don't have any idols before me. Well, we still have the idol problem, you know, money, fame, reputation, all those things. <laughs> we still have it, but I think we have more. <laughs> right, I now think that with Jesus coming, we have more resources to draw on. And to stick with the theme is we have more power, not because we ourselves are powerful, but because uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is there to help us, mm-hmm. walks alongside of us. Yeah. You know, you, you see in multiple places in the Old Testament this people crying out and, and saying, look, it's it's not that God delighted in or desired our our sacrifices and all this stuff. It's it's God wanted all along the heart of, of his people. That that's always been the goal. And and the issue has been people misinterpreting that or misapplying it or misreading what God is asking of them or or the purposes of why God is asking them to do these things. That that obedience, I do think, is important and is a theme you see throughout Scripture. Um, but the reason of it is not... Obedience is not an, uh, an end unto itself. <laughs> um, that that it's, it's always about trying to connect people to the heart of God. And I think, like you say, that's uh, Jesus certainly, through the Spirit, grants us a not only a renewed vision of that, but but the power through which to go about doing that. And 
And I thought of, you know, the words in, in Amos where, where God says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your, your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I, I, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And so it's this idea that if you're only pursuing all this other stuff just for the just for the purposes of getting all this other stuff right without any regard for justice or what's going on in your heart or your connection to God, all of it is meaningless and vain and empty and actually despised by God <laughs> because of how hollow it rings in, mm-hmm. in his ears that you're just trying to get all the stuff right without without any context of why or what it should be leading you toward. And I think that's a lot of what Jesus comes and tries to to correct in his teachings of you you've missed the point on all of these things and and totally perverted it as a result. Yes, that does seem to be one of our talents, doesn't it? Missing the point. In in some respects rules are easier than that than for me to to examine my motives and to get feedback from the people around me about how they are receiving what I'm doing. I think those are hard things to do. Um, and Yeah, just give me a checklist of things I have to do and I'm good. Right, or as I've had <laughs> people tell me in, in couples therapy, just tell me what to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I am amazed. I was amazed. I still am amazed at how often that comes up. It's like, tell me, you know, one, two, three, what to do so I can save this marriage. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I want to say, oh, honey, it's much more complicated <laughs> than that. <laughs> there's this, uh, you know, I think about sometimes, there's this movie, it's several years old at this point, but it was with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. I think it's called The Breakup. I don't know if it, either of you have ever seen that. And so, you know, spoiler alert, it's not a warm, happy, fuzzy mo- movie about this couple who realizes their problems and, and, and works it out. And so what sets that up is kind of this, the movie, the movie's called The Breakup. So, <laughs> and it's true, it's true to its title. But at the beginning of the movie, you've got this couple and they're having this fight. I don't remember all the particulars, but what you were saying there, Marcia, reminded me of it because... You know, Jennifer Aniston, the the wife or girlfriend or whatever the nature of their relationship is, is is frustrated because Vince Vaughn's character never does the dishes and doesn't, you know, do anything. And and so he kind of has this moment where he's like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, if you want me to do the dishes, I'll do the dishes. And and she has this line where she says, I don't want you to do the dishes. I want you to want to do the dishes. And he says, well, why would I want to do the dishes? You know, no one wants to do the dishes. And and they're just completely missing each other. And And I think... You know, maybe maybe that's indicative of us as men as, in general, because th- those are things I've had to learn as a husband too. Of you know, we're we're saying different things, and and I have to realize what it is that I'm communicating in the things that I say, and um, and and yeah, we have to kind of move past this idea of just give me a list of things to do and I'll do it to connecting with with the person, whether that's you know in our relationship with our spouse or 
or connecting with, with, with God through the spirit that we have in Christ. You know, it's funny, that clip that you just described from the movie, that actually is used quite often in workshops and conferences I go to demonstrating communication between couples. Mm-hmm. And fundamentally, there's a problem on both ends in that, mm. you know, she's struggling to communicate what she wants from him. What she actually wants is she wants right. him to want to do the dishes, but really she wants him to please her or she wants him to want to please her. She wants him to want to do something for absolutely no reason of his own other than it will it'll make her happy. Mm-hmm. And she struggles to communicate that. And at the same time, he struggles to embrace what we in couples counseling call the we-ness, that yeah. it's not just about me, it's about us. Right. Um, and that sometimes I, have to, I may sacrifice what I as an individual want for the sake of what we as a couple may want. And I, and, and I think that nicely gets to the point that I'm trying to make that it isn't uh, me and God, it's us. And I think that's that's the message Jesus brought. It's it's us. It's all of us. It's it, you know it it's yeah. It's all of us living in and through and with and for each other. And I think that carries um, out mm-hmm. to this whole notion that I sometimes find so hard to swallow about loving our enemies. And to loving people who don't act very nice <laughs> and those kind of things. You know, loving God is, you know, I can, I can kind of sort of comprehend and figure that out in a way. And loving my friends, mm-hmm. I, I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. But but loving people who aren't very lovable now there's a real stumbling block for me. And I think you know I think you see even like throughout the Old Testament and I've I've got in my mind at some point to do a sermon series on on Leviticus but I'm not quite I'm not quite there yet but but I think you see even you know we read Leviticus and it it sounds barbaric and ancient and overly rule based but really it's a it's a book about God attempting to draw his people to him in relationship. Um, and and I, I think that's, again, just going back to what we're saying, it's what can, we continually see, and then we see the full kind of embodiment of that eventually in Jesus. And so I want us to think for a minute then about, because I, I think, though, we repeatedly see that um, even with this shift that, that God is seeking to sort of reclaim in the person and, and ministry of Jesus, there is still power, as you say, Marcia, in ethical living. It doesn't mean that 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 stuff is that we don't have to care about how we live or what we do with our lives or our actions or our behavior. Um, but 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 perhaps maybe what matters is is the reasoning, the motivation, the the fuel or the power behind what we're doing. And so what would you say, Marcia, what is then the the power of ethical living? Well, reading through it, I've read through it many times over the past week. (laughs) Um, You know, one of of my struggles is when we talk about 
spiritual things, we don't really have good language for that. We don't have much holy language. Mm-hmm. Holy language has, has kind of fallen into, oh, not being very popular. So it's very, so ask me the question again. I've lost my thought. <laughs> well, basically just, so what is, if it's not about rules, if it's about relationship and, and all those things we've kind of been leading toward, what is the power then in ethical living? And I, I think of it somewhat similar too to what we discussed with prayer. I think we discussed this in, in one of our Wednesday night Zooms that, that that prayer is largely about aligning our hearts with the heart of God. And we kind of turn it again, we turn it into list making when really it's about it's about aligning myself with God. And I think we could almost say the same thing about ethical living that um that as I go about living out God's will and and loving him and, and loving others in the way that he calls me to and, and the actions that that should lead me toward, that it, it helps to, it serves to align my my life and my heart with that of God, um, which I think goes along with what you're saying, that then builds builds trust and, and, and all of those other things that, that may go along with that. Yes, and as we align ourselves and we 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 begin to form a sensitivity to what God has in mind when when he gave us the Ten Commandments, is it gives us a base to stand on. It gives us something solid and concrete that we can then move on from how we are are doing and keeping the rules into uh, a more spiritual aspect of ourselves. Yeah. And so I, I see it as, as very foundational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's something that Paul seems to repeatedly hit is this idea that it's not that actions or your lifestyle isn't important. It's that it's not where your righteousness is based. And, and that if you come to a full understanding of who Jesus is and the power available to you through Jesus, then that flows out of you in, in the way that you live and the things that you, that you go about doing. Uh, Jason, you got any thoughts on any of that? I don't know. That that's something I'm I'm still turning around in my head a little bit. Um, I think our natural tendencies towards uh, self preservation and fear and um, and maybe even skepticism. I don't know that that's the right word, but uh, I think you know when we encounter when we encounter. I think about when we encounter somebody who you can tell is just filled with the joy of God. I think sometimes we have this skepticism. What are the, what's their angle? What are they, what are they really trying to get from us or what are they trying to, are they trying to fool us? You know? And so if we see somebody who, 
you know, maybe embodying loving the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and with all of your mind uh, and loving your neighbor as yourself. If we see someone who's truly as, as much as anyone can living that out, I think that sometimes we get a little skeptical of them and we become uh, a little cynical and we want to protect. And in part of that, I think it's because it is so uh, unusual, but then part of it also is that um, we may have this feeling of shame or guilt that we ourselves so desperately struggle with that part of it, you know? And I think that you look through the, you see in the Bible, I think a lot of times people being called out as, you know, or calling out people who are living out exactly the way they should be living out by people who may be struggling to do with that. And I think that that's lived out in the Bible. And I think we live it out in our own life that we, you know, try to diminish the the way that the spirit may be effectively working in another person because we are ashamed that that we haven't put ourselves in the position to to do that or for ourselves. So, well, it it seemed to work out in Jesus' life that way. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. What what what's his angle? What's he trying to to pull here? Yeah. Right. And let's get rid of him. Right. I I think the more we are in the light, the more we see the sharp outlines of our own shadow. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think the 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 natural response is to dim the light. Yeah. And um, and that's very metaphorical language. But again, I don't have I don't have the language that that conveys the spiritual aspects here that that I that I wish I could convey. Um, I find it very difficult to talk about, you know, this life where I'm dwelling in Christ and Christ is dwelling in me. To me, that that is a great mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you, you mentioned that in the handout that uh, you talk about kind of uh, part of what I referenced Sunday in the sermon. This idea that that Jesus makes his his home within us and when we when we eat his body and drink his blood he he remains in us and and the mystery that is within that and as i talked about yesterday the the tension that others around him feel in that and that he seems to uh you know i think this connects with with what we're talking about today that i kind of talked about yesterday that jesus doesn't want to explain that away jesus doesn't want to move too quickly to explain away the mystery of that, the tension of that, and the wrestling with that. Um, he's okay with that kind of existing. And I think he wants people to uh, to kind of have to deal with that and what that means. Um, and so I, I think we oftentimes want to move to to nice, clean-cut answers and, you know, Again, here's the list. Here's what I needed to do. Here's what I need to do. Here's the application of this, and I need to do A, B, and C. And 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 Jesus seems to be okay, just kind of letting people, let, letting some things marinate with people for a while, um, and until they kind of come to some some conclusions in the spirit. I think I think that's true, and I think it, as far as communion goes, 
you know, we still wrestle with that today. I can remember a time when it hit me with almost a physical impact. What am I doing here? I I am eating flesh and drinking blood. Um, <laughs> you know, I am consuming uh, the Christ. And mm-hmm. and it just, um, I was just weeping because it just suddenly, I, I, I didn't just hear it, I felt it, I, I knew it at some level. And I think that's very, very, at, at the same time, it's, it's community. So um, it, I think that I'm trying to talk about things that are very difficult to talk about to understand, to convey, to uh, make real and alive and not be a rule. I've used this example before in other instances, and and I know we've we've got to wrap up here in a second, but um, there's this part in 2 Timothy 2 where where Paul gives this this imagery to to Timothy of... um, of kind of, you know, an athlete who competes, a farmer who goes about their, you know, um, gathering their crops. Um, I think there's one other one, a soldier who's going about his duty. Um, and, and then he says, reflect on what I am saying for the Lord will give you insight into all this. And, and that verse has been pretty influential for me because I thought, you know, if Paul, if Paul had this very specific end game that he wanted Timothy to see, why wouldn't he just say it? Say, here's what I want you, here's what I want you to learn from this. (laughs) And instead, he seems more concerned about Paul spending time with that teaching and spending time with the Lord so that God can speak into him through his spirit, wisdom, and, and, and direction. And it's more about opening up some things for Timothy and having Timothy sit with them than it is about giving Timothy all the answers. And and I think there's something for us to learn there as it relates to the importance of spiritual practices and not just turning to other people or to Google for all the answers, but to sit with God and to spend time with him and develop that relationship so that there is that connection and that interpersonal um, kind of feel that I have with him. Well, that that describes one of the big struggles, I think, with with parenting, right, is that there, there comes a point with every child where, you know, they they want to know why or they want to know, you know, the answer to the question and you give them the answer to the question and it's not satisfying. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's not satisfying is because they haven't sat with and been engulfed by the, the reality that that answer may represent. Mm. And, you know, I see this more and more with my kids who you know, are teenagers and, and, uh, have, you know, very strong opinions and, and ideas about the world and what should or should not be and what is right and what is wrong. You know, they, they are definitely forming those opinions Mm -hmm. and they'll ask me a question like, you know, why, why are these people, you know, were rioting in the streets? Why are they, you know, burning down businesses? And I'll say, well, first of all, I, I don't think that that's a good thing to be doing. That, but here's the rationale or here's the the mindset that someone gets to to uh, to do something like that. And they find that very unsatisfactory. 
you know, and, and very unsatisfying. They, and I, I hear that a lot in, in what we read in the Bible and what we read in the scripture is, okay, here's the answer, but we as, as humans don't find it very satisfying until we've lived in the midst of it, until we've engulfed ourselves in it for a, a significant period of time. And so when I, when I hear you talk about Paul and Timothy in that way, that's what I, that, that's kind of what I imagine is that Paul doesn't want Timothy to just kind of take what he's saying and run with it. He wants to, and he wants Timothy to engulf himself, envelop himself, wrap it like a blanket around him and live in it mm-hmm. for a period of time. Yes, yeah. and this to me is is the intensely personal part of being a Christian is to wrap ourselves yeah. in Christ, to live mm-hmm. in his spirit. And and I can't sustain that for more than a few seconds, <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so... And as I've gotten older, the, the necessity for me, and I don't—I can't say it, it's a necessity for you, but the necessity for me is to just spend the time and sit and say, you know, Lord, if you want to speak to me, uh, my heart is open. And as best I can, I will receive that. And... I, I, that has been so difficult. I hope it isn't difficult for other people as much as it is for me. But that is so hard for me to sit quietly and be receptive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll stop our conversation there. We invite everyone to join us on, on Wednesday for Zoom. And may God give us all open spirits and open hearts as we pursue him. And, and pursue in, in, in even more intentional and greater ways that the power available to us through his spirit. So thanks again, Marcia and Jason, for joining us. And we'll, we'll wrap things up there and, and visit again on Wednesday and then again next week. Sounds good. Yes, thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye.